Chapter Thirty of To London Town. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. To London Town by Arthur Morrison. Chapter Thirty. Why, what's that? said Long Hicks on the way to work in the morning. Got cuts all over your hands. Yes, Johnny answered laconically. Fighting. Fightin'? Long Hicks looked mighty reproachful. Just you be careful what company you're getting into, he said severely. You're neglectin' your drawin' and everything lately. And now fightin'? I ain't ashamed of it, Johnny replied gloomily. And I've got other things to think about now besides drawing. Hicks stared, stuttered a little, and rubbed his cap over his head. He wondered whether or not he ought to ask questions. They went a little way in silence, and then Johnny said, It's him, Butson. No, exclaimed Hicks, checking in his stride and staring at Johnny again. What, been fighting Butson? Johnny poured out the whole story, and as he told, Hicks's eyes widened, his face flushed and paled, his hands opened and closed convulsively, and again and again he blew and stuttered incomprehensibly. Job is to drive the brute away, Johnny concluded wearily. He'll stop as long as he's fed. And Mother thinks it's a disgrace to get a separation, going before a magistrate and all. I'm only telling you because I know you won't jaw about it among the neighbors. That day, Long Hicks got leave of absence for the rest of the week, mightily astonishing Mr. Cottam by the application, for Hicks had never been known to take a holiday before. All right, the gaffer growled, seeing as we're slack. There's one or two standing off a bit already. But what's up with you wanting time off? Getting frisky? Running arter the girls? And indeed Long Hicks spent his holiday much like a man who is running after something or somebody. He took a walking tour of intricate plan, winding and turning among the small streets, up street and down, but tending northward, toward Bromley, Bow and Old Ford, and so toward Homerton and the Marshes. Meantime, Johnny walked to and from his work alone and brooded. He could not altogether understand his mother's attitude toward Butson. She had been willing, even anxious, to get rid of him by any process that would involve no disgrace among the neighbors, and no peril to the trade of the shop. He had made his life miserable. Yet now she tended the brute's cuts and bumps as though he didn't deserve them, and she cried more than ever. As for Johnny himself, he spared Butson nothing. Rather, he drew a hideous solace from any torture wherewith he might afflict him. When are you going to clear out, he would say. You'd rather be kept than work. But you don't like being thrashed, do you? Thrashed by a boy, eh? You'll enjoy work a deal better than the life I'll lead you here, I can tell you. Make you glad to drown yourself, mean funk as you are, before I'm done with you. Don't be too careful with that eye. The sooner it's well, the sooner I'll bung it up again. Bessie marveled at this development of morose savagery on her brother's part. 
with her though he spoke little he was kinder than ever but it was his pastime to bully butson who skulked miserably in the house being in no fit state for public exhibition as to his search for nora sansom johnny was vaguely surprised to find himself almost indifferent it would have been useless to worry his mother about it now and though he spent an hour or two in aimless tramping about the streets it was with the uppermost feeling that he should rather be at home bullying butson he had no notion why being little given to introspection and he was as it were unconscious of his inner conviction that after all nora could not be entirely lost while butson's punishment was the immediate concern and as the thing stood the creature seemed scarce to have been punished at all End of chapter 30 Recording by John Brandon